how many of you have heard the phrase, you grew up with the phrase, and this is what it says. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that or said that here tonight. I think all of us have heard that. It's a common phrase. We've said it uh, on the playground growing up. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You know, that's one of the greatest lies that has ever been told. How many of you know that words can hurt? Words can devastate. Words can destroy. Words can actually kill. And we saw here this young woman, this young girl who had her whole life ahead of her. She had been spoken negativity over her life. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And I want to talk tonight about the power of our words. You know, our words have power. And, and the Word of God, I'm going to look at that in a minute. Tucker, you can go ahead and come on up. We're going to have Tucker uh, read uh, in James chapter 3, verse 2 in just a second. But something that's really been on my heart, you can grab that microphone right there. Something that's really been on my heart this week is the power of our words. You know, I hear so many of you talking negative. I hear so many of you, and, and you don't mean to. You, you're not trying to be deceitful. You're not trying to be uh, um, uh, just... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? You're not trying to be hurtful to people, but you speak negativity all day long. Sometimes you talk negative about your own self. And the words have power. And I want to look into the word of God tonight. And, and this is not going to be a real polished uh, sermon. It's not going to be a three, five-point sermon tonight. I want to share out of my heart. I want to share from the word of God what it says. So, Tucker, if you could read for us uh, James chapter 3, verse 2 through 10. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouth of horses, we make them to obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or when we take ships, for example, although they are large, but they are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider a great forest. It is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is a fire, the word of evil among the part of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets, sets a whole course of its life on fire, and itself sets fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed by, by have tamed by man, or have been tamed by man. But, not, but no man can tame the tongue. It is the restless evil full of dead poison. With the tongue we praise our Father, the Lord, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. All right, thanks, brother. Let's give a hand for Tucker tonight. Tucker, the evangelist, the bishop, the reverend minister, went to Mexico here last Friday night, and uh, I'm hoping we're going to hear a testimony from here in, in the next couple of weeks. But him and Joe went down there and just uh, did an amazing job. Uh, the building was full. They passed out clothes, gave food away. It's just a, a great night. But James chapter 3, verse 2, it talks about the power of the tongue. Again, we're talking about sticks and stones. You know, James gives us a description about the tongue. 
And if Dustin, if you'll bring me up my little uh, prop here tonight, a little illustration. Uh, again, we're talking about the power of the tongue. And, and you know, I, I, I searched around for a human tongue. I, I really wanted to get like a tongue to, to bust it out and show it to you, but I couldn't find anything. I, I went on Craigslist. I went to Walmart. I could not find a human tongue anywhere. But tonight, I, I've got something to show you. And when I first looked at this today, I had someone go pick it up for me, and I opened it up. I actually got a little queasy. So if I throw up or if I barf tonight, you'll have to excuse me. But we're going to keep just going, going through, okay? Um, I want to show you what I, what I got here. How, how many of you have had um, cow tongue before? Come on, give it up if you had cow tongue. All right, I want to show you the most amazing tongue here that you've ever seen, okay? Are you ready? Come on, are you ready? All right. Oh, man, this is gross. Okay, this is a cow tongue. Okay, now I'm, I'm just going to come over here with it. And, um, you know, we're talking about the power of the tongue. Now, of course, the, um, you know, the human tongue is much smaller than this large cow tongue. And I think I'm going to hurl right now, but, so I'm going to put it back. But I just wanted to uh, make a little illustration about the power of the tongue. I think what I'll do right now is just stop and start just, let's just start praying. I'm going to lay hands on some people. Who wants, to, who wants to pray tonight? I'm ready to lay hands on some people. I got some hand soap just in case God moves at the altar. All right? So you won't get cow tongue all over your forehead. Here's what James says about the tongue. He, say, he describes the tongue as a bit in the horse's mouth. The bit is a little small metal piece that it bridles the entire horse. It, it steers the powerful horse. It controls the stallion. He uses another illustration that Tucker just read. He uses the illustration of a small rudder on a ship. This major ship, this powerful ship, is steered and controlled by a small rudder. He uses another illustration. He says it's a small spark that can set a large fire. But the bottom line is he says it's a small part of our body. But look in verse 6 what he says. He says the small part of our body called the tongue, it can set the whole course of our life. Isn't that awesome? I love that. Our tongue, our words, our voice, whatever we speak, it actually sets the entire course and future for our life. You know, there's a story of the uh, major league pitcher for the Houston Astros named Jose Lima. And Jose Lima, he was a, a, just a phenomenal pitcher in the major leagues. And, and one of the first seasons he was out, he played for the Houston Astros, of course, played in the Astrodome. And many of you know what the Astrodome is, a major stadium there. And he, he had a 20-win season. That's a, a great season for a major league baseball pitcher. And while he was pitching in the Astrodome, they were building a new stadium there in Houston. And the stadium was a little bit different than the Astrodome. And Jose Lima, this, this incredible pitcher, he started complaining about the new stadium. And he didn't like it because the left field fence was much closer, and he just didn't like how it was set up. He was very vocal about it. He was very negative about this new stadium. And actually, he went out the very first time to pitch at this new stadium. He told his catcher, he says, I will never, ever be able to pitch here. And so this pitcher, Jose Lima, who had 20, a 20-win 20, uh, season the year before, as soon as he started in this new stadium, he had a 16-loss 
16 losses for that uh, season. And not only did he have a 16-loss season for that first season, he also had it back-to-back season. Two consecutive seasons, Jose Lima lost 16 games. What happened to Jose Lima? It's very, it's, it's, it was in the papers, and it, he was very vocal. He was very negative about the new stadium. See, he set the course of his life. He set the course of his career by what he said, the negative words that we say. Our words actually become self-fulfilling prophecies. Do you know that we can prophesy to our future? And many of you are prophesying over your life negative things. You're saying negative things about your life, negative things about your family. God tonight wants us to realize that there is power in our words. We're setting the course of our life is what James says. So many of us walk around saying things like nothing ever good happens to me. You know, people even go as far as calling themselves names. You know, we make a mistake, and man, I'm such a loser. Man, I'm such an idiot. You know, I will never be successful. I will never have a a good, healthy relationship. I will never get out of debt. So many of you here tonight, when you're speaking those negative words, you are setting the course for your life. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, listen to this. The tongue, the thing that we just saw right here. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it, will eat its fruit. Do you realize that the words that you speak are actually a matter of life and death? You know, here in America, we, uh, there's a milestone that happens in our life, and when we're growing up, we cannot wait to get to our 16th birthday. Man, 16, uh, turning 16 is just a special day for us, and uh, primarily because we can start driving here in the United States. Now, how many of you know to drive here in the United States that you have to take training you have to take a test, and you have to have a license to drive a car here in the United States. Now, uh, you wouldn't know that here in Phoenix. When I moved to Phoenix, man, this is a whole nother ball game. I don't understand. I got a lot of maniacs on the road here in Phoenix. But you have to have a license to drive a car. Same thing with a gun. If you want to own a gun, you have to have a license. You've got to take training. You've got to take a test, and they give you a license before you can carry a gun. You know, I was thinking this week that, again, we're talking about the power of our words, the power of our tongue. You know, there's a force that every single one of us have that's more powerful than a vehicle. It's more powerful than a loaded gun because it is not only life and death for the body, but our tongue carries the life and death for our soul. You know, how many of us, how many do you think it's a good idea if, um, you know, people had to get a license to use their mouth. I think that would be a great idea, man. I, I know some people right now that they need some training. They, they need to take a test or something, man, because they do not know how to use their mouth. But we're talking tonight about the power of our tongue. The tongue has the power of life and death. See, the writer of Proverbs was very aware of the power of words. You know, there are probably more Proverbs in uh, the book of Proverbs on human speech than anything else in this book of Proverbs. And so that's what I want to do tonight. I just want to look at the book of Proverbs. I want to pull out a few scriptures, and we're going to talk about the power of our words. We're going to talk about sticks and stones. Okay, number one, the first thing that I want to talk about tonight, and again, I'm just sharing my heart. I want, to, I want to talk about we need to start thinking before we speak. How many of you know people that that speak before they think? Come on, let me see you. Raise up your hand real high. Most people in today's society, they just begin to speak. They just begin to open their mouth. So many people, man, they don't have all the details. They don't have all the information. They don't have all the facts, but they're quick to open their mouth and speak. Here's what Proverbs chapter 29, verse 20 says about thinking before you speak. 
It says, do you see a man who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for him. There's more hope for a fool than someone who speaks in haste. What is someone who speaks in haste? Someone that speaks before they think. Proverbs says there's more hope for a fool. It doesn't even call him a fool. It says there's more hope for a fool than someone who opens a mouth without thinking. Several years ago, uh, I was a, a new pastor, young pastor, and I just got my credentials with the Assemblies of God denomination. And, and every year, they would have a district council. And basically, we were in California, and what that meant was all of the churches, everyone who was a licensed minister, a credential minister, would go to one place, and they'd have this little retreat, right? It's like a three-day retreat. And we were on the coast there in California. Chris and I went, and uh, our pastor at that time was there at this retreat. And so they had this auditorium. It was the big night, the first night that they started this thing, and there was probably five to 600 pastors, right, all ordained ministers, just a real, real big, big deal in my, my life. And so we're sitting there right in the middle of the crowd, and the main district director from this all, over 500, 600 churches was behind the pulpit, and he was talking, and I really thought I heard him say that he wants the new ministers to stand up and introduce him, themselves, and I really thought that that's what I heard, right? And so I shot up out of my seat in front of five, 600 pastors. And Carissa's sitting here, my pastor's sitting here. And I just said, I just want to introduce myself. Five, 600, you know, people looking at me. I want to introduce myself. My name's Jason Larry. It's my wife, Carissa. And I started going through the whole spiel. I'm a youth pastor. We're seeing great things happen. This is my pastor. And, and I was like halfway into my spiel, and I'm looking around at the faces of these five, 600 pastors. And I kind of got the idea that this was not what the guy was asking us to do. And, and then I looked up at the, at the main guy, and he was looking at me like, you are such an idiot, right? So I sit, I sit back down, and I just felt like a dork, man. And, and I, I sit down, and, and I look over to Carissa, and I was like, I, I don't think that that's what he was asking. And she's like, you think, you know? Yeah, and she, she felt just as bad as I did. And, and, then, and then she just kind of whispered. She's like, you're such a nerd, you know? It's just like, I know I am. But I spoke before I thought about it. I spoke in haste. Listen to this quote. Light travels faster than sound. That's why some people appear wise until they open their mouths. We appear wise until they open their mouths. Have you ever met someone like that? Looks like they, got, they have it all together until they open their mouths. We need to be very careful with, with our words because Proverbs says that we have power in our words. Let me give you a, another story. A story about a young pastor who took an old country church in the Midwest small little tiny country church and he, he got in there man he wanted to build some momentum and build some excitement in this little country church and so uh, he decided he would do an illustrated sermon and so he got four jars and four worms and he laid them out in front of the the congregation there's probably about 50 people in this little country church and and he put these worms in these four jars and the first jar he filled it up with alcohol he filled it up with a bottle of liquor right tequila or something like that second jar he filled it up with cigarette smoke the third jar, he filled up with chocolate syrup. And the last jar, he filled up with good, clean soil. And he put these worms in there. And, and he's preaching, you know, about living a pure life and a clean life. And, and towards the end of the message, this young pastor, he says, okay, guys, I've got uh, four jars here. And, and the first one is, is full of liquor. And he held it up. And he says, look at this worm. It's dead. 
And then he took the second jar, and he says, this, this jar is full of cigarette smoke, and, and let's look at this worm. Let's, let's look what happened to this worm. Oh, this guy's dead too. And then, and then the third worm, the third jar was full of chocolate syrup, and he says, you know what? This one is dead as well. But let's look at this one, says the pastor. He says, let's look at this one. It's pure, clean soil. And look at this worm, man. He's happy. He's excited. He's kind of, you know, just living life. He's still alive. And he says, can anyone tell me what the moral of this story is. And this teenager is sitting right in the middle of the auditorium. He's kind of half asleep, and he puts up his hand. He says, I know the moral of the story. He says, if you, if you drink, and if you smoke, and if you eat a lot of chocolate, you won't get worms. Now, how many of you know, how many of you know that that wasn't the point of the message? The point of the message was, if you drink, and you smoke, and you drink, you're going to die. But this, this young kid, he spoke in haste. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace, says Proverbs chapter 17. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. It says even a fool, if you're, a, if you're here tonight and you're a fool, I hope you're not, but if you're a fool and you just keep your mouth shut, you're, you're considered perceptive, you're considered intelligent, you're considered Smart. So the point of that is if you want people to think you're smart through the rest of the week, just keep your mouth closed, right? You know, this principle also works in a church setting. We're talking about speaking in haste. We're talking about opening our mouth when it's not the right timing. I love this verse. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Listen to this. This is a good teaching right here. Guard your, your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. As a dream comes when they, there are many cares, so the speech of a fool when there are many words. This is talking about when we come into the house of God. When we're in the presence of God, it says, you know what, instead of just opening our mouth and beginning to shout and speak, you know, we as Pentecostals and Spirit-filled churches, man, we, we love to do that. Man, we've got a motor mouth, and we're just going 100 miles an hour, we're praying, we're talking, we're shouting. But God says, you know, sometimes when the presence of God is there, you know what we need to do? We need to stand in awe of the presence of God. We need to come in, and it says, let your words be few. Listen to this part, if I can find it. It says, do not be quick with your mouth to utter anything before God. You know, again, we come into the house of God and we just begin to go off. But the word of God says to, to, to stand in awe. Let's listen to the voice. Listen to the presence of God. The word of God is very clear. And we're making a point here tonight that there is power in our words. Our words can be dangerous. Our words can be helpful. But there is a power in our words tonight. Our words can do damage if we're not using our words correctly. Talk show host Larry King says this, I remind myself every morning, nothing I say today will teach me anything. So if I am going to learn, I must do it by listening. That's good advice tonight. So we're looking at Proverbs, talking about speaking before we think. The next thing that I want to share with you tonight that's been on my heart is the subject of gossip. You know, we can find many, many verses on gossip in the book of Proverbs. Let me give you the first scripture here tonight. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 8 says, The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's inmost parts. What does that mean? Thank you. Should we take an offering right now? 
Okay, let's do it. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's inmost parts. You know, what does that mean? It's, it's, it's interesting how it says that, that gossip is actually, um, it, it's, it's choice morsels. And I did a word study. I didn't know what that man was kind of thinking, chocolate chip cookies or something like that. But choice morsels actually means it's like the finest food that you can get. The finest food, choice morsels. And it says it goes down into your inmost parts. And, and when I was doing that word study on choice morsels, it actually talked about the finest foods, but then it also talks about gluttony. People who are gluttons for the choicest foods. You know, and, and what this verse is saying is that we can be gluttons for gossip. And it says when we begin to gossip, there's something that happens in us that it just goes down into our inmost parts. It gets down into our heart. It gets down into our spirit. And there, you know what's something? It's really sick about it, but every single one of us know, knows this, and I, I believe this, that there's just something good, something that feels good about gossiping. This is something weird. It's something, a dark part of our lives that it kind of feels good to talk about someone else. You know, it kind of feels good when we get some information to get on the phone or get on, start texting and, and share it. It's just something good that feels, I think it's just human nature. But see, gossip is destructive. It can wreak havoc on a community. And Proverbs gets down to the nitty-gritty of why it is so hard to get rid of gossip. Because deep inside of every single one of us, something feels good about gossiping. And what it is, it makes us feel superior. You know, when we've got something on someone else and we share it, man, it makes us feel superior. We begin to elevate ourselves. It says the words of a gossip are like choice, morsels. Gossip will destroy. Another story on pastors. I'm full of a lot of stories on pastors. I don't, I don't know why, but there were four pastors who went through Bible college together, and they were seasoned veteran pastors, and, you know, 15, 20 years in the pastorate, and these guys were good friends, and, and they all met in the city, and they went to have lunch one day. They just wanted to get together and hang out. After lunch, they went down to the park, and they were sitting at this park bench, right, and they're just talking about life, talking about ministry, and, uh, you know, the, one of the guys just kind of uh, just, just says, hey, I, you know, we, we've known each other for a long time, and we went through Bible school together, and, you know, there's some things that you don't know about me. There's some issues that I have in my life and, and just some dark things that I think every one of us here tonight, I think we should share our dark secrets. And they all looked around. They're like, well, I don't know about that. You know, that doesn't sound too good. But, like, come on, man. Let's, you know, we trust each other. We're good friends. Let's just share our darkest secrets. And so they all agreed. All four of them said, oh, yeah, let's do that. I, I feel good about that. I trust you guys. And so the first guy says, I'll start. And he says, you know what, guys, I know I'm a pastor, but, but I, I've got a drinking problem. You know, I go home from church, and I, you know, uh, you know crack open a, a beer, and, I, and it's damaging my marriage, man. It's damaging my family, and I've, I've got this alcohol problem. I don't know what to do with it. And their eyes were open. Their mouth was open. like, wow, I can't believe that you've got a drinking problem, man. You're like, you got one of the biggest churches, and you're just an amazing pastor. Wow, that is amazing. But you know what? We love you, bro, and, you know, we, 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 we're behind you, and, and, and we've got, uh, you know, we're, we've got your back. And the second one says, well, I, I guess, uh, you know, I'll, it's my turn to speak. And he says, you know what, guys, since you said, talked about your alcoholism, I've got a gambling problem. This pastor says, I've got a, this gambling problem. I go to the casinos in Vegas, you know, on the weekends and play poker online. And, and uh, you know, I, I've actually taken a few bucks out of the offering plate because of my habit. And, and, again, man, they were just shocked because this pastor, here's this pastor, man, he's got a gambling problem. And the third one pipes up and he says, you know what, guys, I've got I to be honest with you. I, there's a woman in my church and, and I'm having an affair with her. You know, I've got this woman, and, and uh, I've really got something for us, destroying my family. And, and they, they all just were so surprised, but they put their arm around, and they said, man, we love you. We're praying for you, and we know that you can get through this. 
The fourth guy, the fourth pastor, after, you know, the first guy talked about his alcoholism. The second guy talked about his gambling addiction. The third guy talked about his affair. The fourth one just sat there real quiet. Kind of his head was down. And they're like, hey, man, come on, you know, give it up. You know, we, we, we talked about our alcoholism and our gambling problem and our, the affair that this guy's having. You know, you, you know, you can trust us. Come on, man. You, you can trust us. T- tell us your deepest, darkest issue. And he looked at him as serious as he could right in the eye, and he says, guys, I've got to tell you, I've got an incurable gossip problem. And uh, every one of you are going to be found out. Now, how many of you know, how many of you know that, you know, as I, as I would tell my three-year-old son, those three other guys were going poopy in their pants right about then. But the bottom line is that gossip destroys. Gossip is a major problem. You know, we have gossip in the world. We have gossip magazines. We've got TMZ. You know, gossip has actually infiltrated the church of America. There's gossip here on this campus. There's gossip here in this ministry. I think every one of us deals with this, if we were to be real honest. I think every one of us deals with when we get information or we hear something or we start something. We don't like a certain someone. You know, we, we start to gossip. We start to talk about that other person. You know, you know guys, sometimes we even have all the facts right. Factually, everything is correct, but the timing is wrong. The spirit is wrong. The, the, the way we say it can be wrong, and it can be devastating. It can kill a relationship. Sometimes we say it the wrong time, the wrong way, in the wrong spirit. You know, words can, and gossip can, end friendships. Words can splinter families. They can shatter reputations. Words can actually split churches. We need to be very careful in what we're saying. We need to use discretion when we get information. And sometimes in the church world, we say things like, well, man, I, I, I'm just uh, calling so-and-so because we need to pray for this person. And I'm going to talk about that here in a second. But we need to practice discretion. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 12 says this. Those who are mean-spirited slander their neighbor, but the wise practice discretion. The wise practice discretion. You know, one way that you can know if you're gossiping or not, is would you say that same information if that other person was right there with you? Would you, would you say the, the, the same information in the same way if that other person that you're talking about was right there? And if you can't do that, guess what? You're gossiping, and it's wrong, and it's sin. You know, seven times in the book of Proverbs it says, or the writer connects the heart to the mouth. Seven times in the book of heart, uh, Proverbs. He says that the heart and the mouth are connected. Jesus said the same thing in Matthew. He, I, think, I think it's 18, Matthew chapter 18. He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And you may be here tonight, you're like, yeah, man, I got a, I got a gossip problem. You know, I talk about people, and, and I know I shouldn't, but I, I just, it's like that choice morsel, you know, that I just can't get enough of, and I just got this real problem. And, and I guess I need to control my mouth and do a little bit better job. Really, it's not a mouth issue whatsoever. It's a heart issue. See, out of the, the abundance of the, of the heart, the mouth speaks. And we can try to close our mouth. We can try to, to change the words that we say, but it will be a losing battle until we change our hearts. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you think that's a good word, say amen. Again, I just mentioned it. We're almost done here, guys. I just mentioned, you know, some of us, we get information, and this is rampant in the church world today. 
we get some information, we get some dirt on someone, and man, we get on the email, you know, on the, on the text, and we're calling up, did you hear about so-and-so? Wow. Yeah, but we justify it because we say, well, we, 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 I just call her because we need to pray for him. You know, we just, we just really care for this guy. Man, we just need to pray for him, lift him up in prayer. Do you know that it is contrary, that is opposite to how the Word of God says to handle the situation? It's amazing how the Word of God is so relevant for us here tonight. 2009, young adults, here's what the Word of God says. The Word of God actually gives us a formula for when we find out something, when we find someone is in sin. When someone sins against us, there is a formula for it. And it's not to pick up our cell phone and begin to text. Not to pick up our BlackBerry and email. It's not to call or to talk to someone else. Here's what the formula is. Here's what the the step is. It's a three-step plan found in Matthew chapter 18. Listen to this. This is good stuff. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church or to the church leadership. Do you know that uh, the Bible gives us a step, three-step plan to dealing with people in sin, people who are falling, people who are hurting. And, and it's contrary to what we think. You know, we go and we just run our mouth. We speak in haste like it, it, we talked about before. But the Bible says it's three steps. Number one, we go to that person alone. And it actually says just the two of you, one-on-one. It doesn't say to call someone. It doesn't say to get advice. It says to go to that person one-on-one. If they still don't listen, if they're still struggling, if they're still living in sin, if they're still sinning against you, it says to take one or two others along with you. It doesn't say take three or four or five or ten or, or take the whole ministry. It says to take one or two others. Why? To be a witness, to be a testimony. And number three, if that doesn't work, it actually says to go to the church leadership. And again, this is so important, you guys, because I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen in other places. I I, I see it happen here. You know, when we get information, you guys, we need to be mature enough. We need to be spiritually mature enough. We need to be adults, and we need to go to people one-on-one. We don't need to talk to everybody else. We have a, a formula. We have a plan in the Word of God. I've heard it said before that our words can actually be a gas can or it can be a fire extinguisher. We talked about the illustration of our words are like a little spark that can set a large fire. And we are either a gas can that just spreads more gas on the fire, makes it worse, or we can be a fire extinguisher. When you get that word, let's do the right thing. Last but not least, and we're almost done here. The tongue that brings healing, Proverbs chapter 15, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. I love that. It says the tongue that brings healing. We've been talking about all the negative stuff about words and tongue and, uh, you know, uh, talking about the power of the tongue. But tonight I want to talk about the positive thing, the positive side of our words and our tongue. It says the tongue brings healing. Do you realize that our words can actually be used for healing? Do you understand that your words tonight, if you missed every other part of this sermon, dial in here This is the the most important part. Our words have creative power. When you speak, it's, you know, so many people, they just speak, man. They just talk about whatever is going through their mind. When you speak, you're actually creating something. Here's what James said. Again, we just talked about it in verse 6. Words set the whole course of your life. 
Some of you here tonight, you're, you're setting the course of your life by talking negative, by saying, man, I just can't do it. Man, I came from a poor family. Man, I don't have any talent. I'm not good looking enough. I'm not talented enough. And you're setting the course of your life when you're speaking those words. But some of you tonight, when we speak words of life and, and words of, of destiny and words of increase and words of purpose, then you're setting your course of your life in a positive direction. You can actually create the course of your life through a spoken word. Listen to this. And many of you were, that were at retreat heard a part of this teaching tonight. So if you weren't here, uh, listen very carefully. This is powerful. Studies have been done by Korean neurosurgeons that show that the speech center of the brain controls all the other functions and all the other nerves in our body. It's been proven that there is a place in our brain, there's a speech center in our brain, as soon, and not, not when we think it, when we begin to speak something, it actually sends a signal through our nervous system and through the rest of our uh, functions of our body and our nerves in our body. Something takes place as soon as you begin to speak. It's actually been proven. Listen to this quote from that study. The speech center has such power over all the body that simply speaking one word can give someone control over his entire body and control it in the way however he wishes. It's amazing. Whatever we speak, it sends a signal and you are creating your future. Let me give you an example. It's been proven when someone speaks negatively about a task or something that they're going to perform, and they speak the words of negativity over what they're trying to do. Jose Lima from the Astros did this. It actually has a, uh, an effect on their productivity. It's been proven that people who begin to speak and tell others, hey, I'm getting ready to retire, or I am retired, or I am retiring, do you realize that it's been proven that the body actually begins to shut down and prepare for death. It's been proven. People who say, you know what, I'm sick. They, they, all they talk about is how sick they are. And, and, and they may be sick, but they, they talk about how sick they are and how, how bad they feel and how, how poor their health is. When you begin to speak those words of, of sickness, it actually sends a signal into your body and continues to worsen your situation. Dr. Cho, he has the largest church in the world. It's in Seoul, Korea. This man is an amazing man of God. He has over 100,000 members in his church, largest church in the world. Here's what he says in his book, The Fourth Dimension. Listen to this very qu quickly and we're, we're carefully. We're almost done. Acquire the Bible's language is what Dr. Cho says. Speak the word of faith. Feed your nervous system with a vocabulary of constructive, progressive, productive, and victorious words. Speak those words. Keep repeating them so they will have control over your entire body. Then you will become victorious, for you will be completely conditioned to meet your environment and circumstances and achieve success. See, Dr. Cho understands this principle. I love this part. He says, feed your nervous system with a vocabulary. Listen to these four words. Constructive, progressive, productive, and victorious words. See, when you begin to speak victorious words, when you begin to speak productive words, when you begin to speak positive, something takes place and you're already creating the course for the rest of your life. In closing, this is my first closing tonight, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Many of you know it. I don't know why I have my Bible. I got it right here. I know that first. I'm going to bust out my Bible. Listen to this. In the beginning, the earth was formless and it was empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. If I could have uh, Sean come up to the guitar, and we're going to 
close this out. If you would pay attention to this, you don't want to miss this. This is literally can change your life tonight. Literally can change your future. Genesis chapter 1 says, in the beginning, the earth was formless. It was empty. It was dark. If you've ever read that before, we understand that before the creation of the world, listen to me right here, the, the, the earth, there was nothing there. It says that it was dark, it was empty, it was formless, there was just nothing. It was pitch black and dark. And it also goes on to say that the Holy Spirit, listen to this, that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, was hovering over the waters. So here is the, the, the earth before it was created. Man, if you get this, this will change your life. I promise you. It's empty, it's formless, it's dark, but the Holy Spirit of God was there. And it's amazing that the Holy Spirit of God was there, the presence of God was there, the anointing of God was there, but nothing was taking place. Nothing was happening. Nothing different was taking place. And then all of a sudden it says, God said, let there be light. And there was light. God said, let there be an expanse. And there was the sky. God said, let there be land. God said, let there be. And he goes through six days of creation. And here's the point, and I really want you to get this. you got to get this. This is so good, and I wish I could do a longer teaching on this, but we don't have time tonight. The presence of God was there, but it was still empty. It was still dark. It was still formless. But as soon as God spoke the word, light happened. As soon as God spoke the word, creation happened. As soon as God spoke the words, he spoke the human beings into existence. See, when the presence of God is there, that's not enough. And man, that's a, that's a different teaching that many of us have heard. We, all we need is the presence of God, man. If I, just, if I just go to church and I just get my, man, I, go, I get into worship and I just worship God, man, I'm going to walk out of there different. Why is it that people walk in here Wednesday after Wednesday, Sunday after Sunday, they worship, they cry, but nothing changes? I'm going to give you a formula. I'm going to give you the ingredients for a miracle. This will change your life, I promise you, because this is the word of God. See, the presence of God alone is not enough. But when we, be, when we begin to open our mouth and we begin to speak when the presence of God is there, that is miracle territory. There's two ingredients for a miracle for your life tonight. I believe that there are people here, I was praying today, and I believe this with all my heart. There's some of you who need a job. There's some of you who need direction. Nothing is happening. Some of you need something to take place, and you're looking around, and it's like, man, this place, this is dead. The job, the, the economy, the recession, uh, there's just no hope. And you come to church, and you get into the presence of God. But here's the word for you tonight, friend. If you want something to happen, if you want something to be created right in front of your eyes, man, I believe this with all that is within me tonight. From the, my spirit, my heart just believes this so much. Some of you have been in the presence of God, but now you need to speak it. You need to speak. You need to say, you know what? I'm going to be debt free. You know what? I, I'm, I am healed. My body is healed. You know what? I see a job coming this week. You know what? That phone is going to ring this week for a job. You know what? My family is going to come to the Lord. You know what? My parents are going, their, their relationship is going to be restored. Whatever you need tonight, the presence of God alone is not enough. And I'm not teaching anything that's not what I just read, the word of God. But the spoken word, James says, it will change the whole course of your life. Some of you are on a course, and it's not positive. You're here tonight, and you're not happy. You're not fulfilled. You're not, you're not satisfied. And the course that you're going on is not the path and the God's best. I, I read it in Jeremiah 29, 11, The plans I have for you to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. But some of you are sitting there right now, and you're saying, I don't have any hope. I don't see a future. I don't see God 
prospering me tonight. I want to encourage you tonight. Some of you, you're just in a stagnant place. You're living life in mediocrity. See, the presence of God is here right now. Man, I feel the presence of God here tonight. And I believe he wants to change someone's life. He wants to change your course tonight. See, we've got one part of the ingredient already here tonight. We've got the first ingredient, and that is the presence of God. See, the Word of God says that when, when we begin to praise God, that God inhabits the praises of His people. When we begin to open our mouth and we begin to sing, we begin to praise God, it says that God dwells here. So God is already here. The first ingredient is right here. But the second ingredient for your miracle tonight, the second ingredient for you to just change the course of your life, how many of you tonight really need, and you don't have to raise your hand right now, but how many of you really need a change in direction? Things aren't going the way you, you want them to go. Things aren't going, uh, you don't have that hope, you don't have the future. I want to encourage you tonight, let's practice this. Why don't we just go ahead and stand on the Word of God? See, we need to start believing what the Word of God says. We just don't believe it, man. We don't have faith. We need to start standing on this Word because it's alive, it's active, and it is truth tonight. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me real quickly. If you're here tonight, and boy, I just really felt something in that last part when we're talking about uh, the ingredients of a miracle. Man, I just felt just a special anointing on that. And I believe many of you tonight need a change of direction in your life. You may be here tonight and you're not right with God. You know that heaven and hell are real places. And, and the word of God is clear that when, when we have not given our life to Jesus Christ, when we don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, there's, there's an eternal place called hell. And tonight, friend, you can make that decision tonight. Tonight you can walk out of here knowing that you have a security, an eternal security in Jesus Christ. To know that you're in the palm of his hand tonight. That if you will just respond to this altar time tonight, that you can walk out of here knowing that if something ever was to happen to you, that you would go to heaven. Some of you are here tonight and with your heads bowed and your eyes closed and, and, and you've got, you love God. You do all the right things. You come to 360. You, you come to church and you do all the right things. But man, nothing is happening in your life. It's barren. It's dry. But the word of the Lord, I believe, wants to tell you, you need to speak the word. You need to speak positive. You need to stop being so negative about your life. You need to stop being so hard on yourself. Begin to speak the words of life. Friend, if you're here tonight and you want me to pray with you, if you want to respond to this, I'm going to, we're really looking for a response here. You know, the word of God says that if you're ashamed of Jesus before men, he will be ashamed of you before the Father. You have an opportunity tonight to make things right in your life. Maybe you, you don't have a relationship with God. This is your big chance. Maybe you love God. You have a relationship with God, but man, there's no hope. There's no future. You're on the wrong course. And tonight you want to say, Jason, I want to practice what you said. I think that sounds pretty cool. And I'm going to give it a shot. The first ingredient is already here. The second ingredient is up to you for your miracle tonight. If you're here tonight and God's dealing with your heart, I just want you to slip up your hand right now and say, Jason, you're talking to me, man. You're just reading my mail. That's, that message was for me tonight. Hands are going up all over this place. Lift your hands if you want to make things right tonight. If you get, want to get back on course tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. And very quickly, if we can lower the lights a little bit, we're going to take this one step further. And those of you who raise your hands tonight, we're not going to drag this out. But if you raise your hand tonight, I want you just to stand up from your seat. Actually, if everyone would stand to their feet, we're going to close this service out. But if you raise your hand very quickly and quietly, will you come down to this altar? Will you walk down these steps? And I want to pray for you tonight.